Hello, funky listeners, and welcome to another episode of Funk Radio. This is your host, Kyle. And that's your host, Kyle. And that's your host, Peter. And I'm your host, Peter. What we are talking about today uh, is something that just kind of popped in my head a while back, is we never really did, I think we did like one episode on video game music at some point, but I don't exactly remember the subject matter. I think so it was like chiptune done... music. No, we ac- we haven't done an episode on chiptune music, and I think that would be actually be kind that's, of That's that's cool a good feature idea. One then. of those like genre exploration things. If memory serves, um, we did. We've done two soundtrack reviews of specific video games, but they were really early on in the show. Um, one was for Driver San Francisco, if you remember that. Oh yeah, that was like our twelfth episode, I think. Oh like, wow. it was really yeah, weird. I remember we got we got super obsessed with that game for like a, mo- a couple months. It had good music, so it was mm-hmm. worth it. Totally. And then we did an episode on the music from the Little Big Planet game series. That's right. Which also has good music. So I don't know how you want to do this, Peter. If you just if I, if we want to run through my picks and then run through yours, or do an uh, ABAB kind of thing. Let's go. Let's go back and forth, but you can start. Okay. So, so yeah, to, we, I guess to maybe to set up. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're not just talking about video games. We actually are. We each kind of picked video game music that uh, is nostalgic to us or that we liked um, growing up, and we're kind of just going to talk about you know different video game soundtracks that we find iconic and why they're why they're fun. So yeah, so they may not necessarily always be like these were a landmark in the history of video games as much as just. Yeah. He stood out to us as we were going up. So exactly. They may mean nothing to you listeners, but probably whatever. Not. Pro- pro- not most of our listeners anyway. probably never play video games. They're all like 70 years old. Okay. So the first video game music soundtrack that I picked is one that's probably iconic, not just me, but to a lot of people, and possibly not for a good reason, uh, is the tune called The Lost Woods from Zelda Ocarina of Time for uh, Nintendo 64. It came out November 21st, 1998 for N64. The composer of the songs, uh, if anyone cares, is Koji Kondo, which sounds really cool. The reason I picked The Lost Woods in particular, obviously, for The Ocarina of Time, there's a lot of really, really iconic video game music from that game. Some people actually say it's like some of the best video game music ever made. Um... The reason I picked The Lost Woods is because when I first played this game, I was eight years old, and I got stuck in the Lost Woods area for far longer than I should have, and couldn't <laughs> figure out how to get to like the part I was supposed to get to. And this this song would play over and over while you're in there, and I was just so pissed off. So I got stuck in this area for so long that this the music that played in this level is like seared in my brain. And it actually causes me to go into the fetal position when I hear it. Well, shall we uh, put the listeners in the fetal position as well? I think we should. So this is a, a little clip of the Lost Woods theme from Zelda Ocarina of Time. play this game peter you know this is one of the games that i've known for years that i need to play mm-hmm. but i have not played it though uh, well if you have a 
a Nintendo DS for any reason, they do have a DS version of it. Is it like a port of the original game, or is it a remake? No, it's it's a port. They like made the textures a bit smoother and made it a little bit nicer, um, mm. since the DS is actually a bit more powerful than the N64, which is kind of funny. Mm. But yeah, it's pretty much the same game, and it is a nice. very good game. It's a very hard game. In a weird way, it was kind of one of the first major kind of open 3D open world games. It was open world in that mm. kind of old school sense where you can go to different areas, but there's always like a threshold through that area that kind of acts as a sort of loading screen so that the entire mm-hmm. map is, isn't loaded up all at once. Some areas you had to kind of unlock, but unlike, you know, something like uh, Super Mario or what's the Super Mario 64 where it's just mm. you know a bunch of linear levels this was mo- a bit more open and there was dungeons you had to explore uh, and yeah it's super iconic it's kind of up yeah. there with Mario as far as like famous Nintendo stuff yay so that's fun I yeah. like the uh, the story behind the song as well <laughs> yeah basically like I got stuck in this area and the song broke me <laughs> <laughs> It just has this image of you crying in the corner of a dark room while this is music <laughs> is playing. Pretty much. So I guess doing one from my list, I think I'm going to actually go a little bit out of order with mine and jump um, kind of off of what you were just saying about early open world. Not, well, the one I'm going to say is an open world, but it's kind of like a 3D platformer game. Mm-hmm. One of the first or, you know, in that era where that was still a new thing called Croc Legend of the Gobos, which is, I think it's kind of a off-brand, not super popular game. I think a lot of people haven't played it. But if you look around online, a lot of people have, so power to us, I guess. Yeah. Um, the, the reason it's kind of tied into what you were just talking about just slightly is that the developers of this game, Argonaut Games, originally pitched this idea, or it, it was, it, how do I say this? They pitched an idea for basically a Yoshi game to Nintendo, which was going to be the first 3D platformer game. Mm-hmm. But they declined it, and so they went on and made Mario 64 instead. But Argonaut Games was like, "Well, we're you know we're good at like kind of pioneering some of this 3D stuff, and we, they even helped make like um, the Star Fox games." Oh, nice! And so they were like, "Well, we can't use Yoshi because Nintendo owns that, so we're going to change him slightly, so he's a crocodile instead of a little green dinosaur." And so he became Croc instead of Yoshi. Um, And so it's, you know, the storyline, it doesn't have anything to do with the Mario universe or anything, but it's, it was kind of, I only learned this pretty recently, that it was basically changed from that. And it kind of, it could have been the first 3D platformer if Nintendo had said yes, but otherwise it did not become that. I can kind of see why Nintendo skipped over having Yoshi be the star of their first 3D platformer in favor of Mario. Mm-hmm. For the Super Nintendo, they did develop um, Yoshi's Island, which was a really popular platformer, but mm-hmm. Yoshi was never really kind of the star of the show, so to speak. Yeah, so Croc was a game. Anyway, the, <laughs> the, the, the music in it was pretty catchy. I just chose um, we can play a little bit of the main theme song from this game because it's fun and cheerful. It's 
very happy. It is. And actually, I didn't think about this connection until I was doing the research that the Game Boy Color version of this theme song is what I use for our um, website advertisement for this show. Nice. So if you listeners ever hear us do that, you know, that 60 second ad for ourselves, um, that's like the chiptune version of that song. So That's awesome. I also didn't realize that all of the games I chose for this topic were all from 1997. Yours are a little bit more all over the board. Apparently, that's when you started playing games. Apparently. I guess that makes sense. I think that's about... I mean, I I started playing around six or seven, so... Uh, most of mine are around that yeah. same time. <laughs> Speaking of 1997, um, the next game I picked is one of the songs from the very iconic Pokemon Red and Blue, the original Pokemon games for Game Boy Color. Mm. I bought Pokemon Red... Hashtag Charizard for life. <laughs> but I didn't pick the main song. I didn't pick the battle songs. I didn't pick any of the, you know, iconic Pokemon songs that you, you would think of when you think of the series. I picked the song from when you go to Lavender Town. Now, the, for those of you that haven't played the game, in Lavender Town... Um, I listened a, to this before I read your description. <laughs> I was yeah. like, what is this? Yeah. But your description made sense. <laughs> so yeah for those of you that ever played the game when you go into lavender town there's a story uh in that town where there's a tower of sorts the tower has supposedly been haunted so in the game you have to make your way through the tower and i forget where you get it from but you have to get this thing called a sylph scope which lets you see the ghost pokemon that you can capture then you see this like foul boss looking ghost pokemon but when you use the sylph scope you discover that it's a pokemon called marowak now the story of this pokemon is really fucked up basically in the in the in the game marowak died because that's that's what freaked kids out about this this whole storyline is it establishes the idea that pokemon can die and not just Mm. you know faint in battle um right so marowak is the evolved form of this pokemon called cubone and Cubone has like this little skull that it wears on its head. And the legend goes that the skull is actually the skull of its mother that was killed. Oh my god. And it's always crying because it's looking for his mother. So it's like this really creepy storyline. Hmm. It in the town, it plays this really eerie song. There was this folklore that, you know, kids spread around through rumors around uh about the game and like you know the song drove kids to like suicide and blah 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 oh my god yeah but what's funny is part of the reason that the song is actually unsettling is that it was designed with what's called a binaural beat which is when you play a low and a high frequency that's sort of out of tune at the same time Mm. and it kind of fucks with your brain because it does your ears don't know how to process it very well so it kind of gives you this sense of unease and the funny thing is this trick this auditory trick is actually used a lot in horror movies they'll play a high pitch and a low pitch sound as like a jump scare or Mm. in their soundtrack i guess to kind of give people this eerie sense but yeah this song is just a really i mean it's funny because it's it's a chiptune song it's it's got that kind of you know, 8-bit sound to it, but it's still able to be really creepy. I agree. Um, Let's give the listeners a little clip of this. Sounds good. 
Yeah, you have a good point about how, despite it being a simple chiptune song, that actually does convey that creepiness really well. <laughs> so, good on them for actually, you know, putting in the effort yeah, really. to do something interesting like that. So yeah, so this song freaked me out as a kid, um, and I found out later that it was designed to freak children out. <laughs> Leave it to the Japanese to scare the shit out of children. <laughs> So, yeah, that was uh, the Lavender Town theme from Pokemon Red and Blue. I hope you have nightmares. Thanks, Kyle. I, I think the listeners have nightmares from this show no matter what we're talking about. Yeah, good point. Because I don't have a better transition, speaking of 1997, <laughs> I'm just going to use that one going back and forth. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about Frogger because I you mentioned before we started recording that you remember this game too. Oh, yeah, I played the shit out of this game. Yeah. And listeners, to be clear, we're not talking about the 1981 arcade game Frogger, but rather the 3D reboot remake in the late 90s, which was for, I think it was for PlayStation and PC. Yeah, I played the PC uh, one. I don't know about you. Yeah, me too. You know, it's more than just the frog going across the street. You have all the different worlds and themes and stuff. But I think the thing, one of the things that, I mean, the game was pretty fun in itself, but I think the music was really cool too, because it was kind of like based kind of in hip-hop beats almost but obviously like the music was varied depending on like the world that you were in but um it's a pretty good soundtrack for what is essentially a pretty basic game Mm -hmm. and i appreciate that they didn't just stick to chiptune or something that was based on that you know as like a throwback Mm -hmm. to the original frogger yeah i think once they got to like i guess what you would call the N64, PlayStation, PC era, they were able to move away from that more chiptune sound because I think they had a broader audio range that they could record in or that they could have recordings in their games on. Yeah, yeah, after yeah the Su- hardware was way different. Exactly. Because, yeah, after Super Nintendo, that kind of chiptune-y thing died aside from kind of, you know, your Game Boys and your Game Boy Advance still kind of had that sound. Mm. Right. There's a lot of pretty good songs from that game. Um, I chose Lily Islands, which was earlier in the game, but uh, it's a pretty, pretty good one. It's mm-hmm. got a good beat to it. It's a little jazzy almost. I remember this game was really hard. Like, or maybe it was just me, but uh, yeah, I remember it being pretty hard as well. Yeah, the funny or thing there is... were I think there were certain levels that I never actually got to, like some of the harder ones. Yeah, the funny the funny thing is I remember the first time I played this game, I didn't play it at my house. I played it at a friend's house who had it for mm. PC. Their family was, like, super religious, so they didn't have, like, they're not going to have, like, Mortal Kombat or anything. <laughs> uh, but they had this Frogger game, and I don't know why I was playing it. I'm like, this is really fun, so I convinced my mom to get it for me at some point. Nice. Well, listeners, maybe after hearing this song, you'll convince your parents to get this game for you. <laughs> yeah, a literally 20-year-old game. Speaking of hopping through different levels, the the next uh, video game music that I picked, it's not really classic or old school, it's just really freaking good, is the theme music for Portal 2 for PC. I think it came out in 2012, because I remember Sounds about the right. summer after we graduated, we played through it, and yeah. it was really fun. Yeah. 
That was a good game. I know, it was so good. It's still like one of my favorite puzzle games ever made. For those of you that don't know, Portal 2 is the sequel to Portal, which was developed by a game company called Valve. It's sort of a puzzle game more than a shooter because you have a gun that can create portals, essentially. You shoot at a wall or a flat surface. It creates, you know, a circle, and then you shoot at another flat surface, and it cre- and then that second circle kind of creates a wormhole where you can enter the first and pop out the second. Uh, there's other mechanics yeah. to it as well, but you use that basic, you know, creating of wormholes, so to speak, to solve these puzzle levels. It's really fun. But I remember the music for the game... It was like this sort of like, I don't know what you called it. It's kind of like EDM, industrial sounding music. But it kind of reminded me of the music from Tron, to be honest. You know, listening to this theme song again uh, earlier when you linked it, uh, I got a similar vibe to that soundtrack. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's very electronic-y sounding, but it's just really, really well done. And it's one of the few, like video game quote-unquote album music soundtracks that I actually bought and listened to outside of just playing the game. And so yeah, let's listen to a little clip of the Portal 2 uh, theme music. You know, you had a um, you made an interesting point that resonated with me a little bit a few minutes ago about you don't regularly listen to a lot of like soundtrack music from video games. Mm-hmm. That's similar. I mean, I don't either, but that was also similar to a thought I was having earlier uh, before we did this, which was that really the only games I've, I like I don't play a lot of video games, but the ones I've played like as a kid were the ones where I had that has music that was memorable to me. The games I've played as an adult, for the most part, I don't really have any connection with the music. Not that they have bad music, mm-hmm. um, but it's just not like catchy or memorable in the same way. And it's not necessarily something I would sit and listen to. Maybe that's partly either the type of games you know that we play as kids versus adults, or just the advancement of. Because we were saying earlier, like you know, by the late nineties, it wasn't chip tune as much anymore. It was more like actual music. Mm-hmm. Maybe by, cause nowadays, like a lot of video game music is like orchestra music, basically like yeah, movie it's like, soundtrack. It's like movie soundtrack, movie music. Exactly. Yeah. So I wonder if maybe some of the shift in listenability is because of that as well. I think part of it too, is just the kind of trap of nostalgia, you know, yeah, yeah. things you liked as kids, you are more fond of than current media because it was, you associate it with the simplicity and wantonness of being a child. True. Although at the same time, though, some of, I mean, maybe not as much, but I feel like some of these, some of the music from these older games, if I heard them now for the first time, I'd still be like, yeah, that's pretty catchy. I might listen to that now and then. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's because they had less to work with. They had to be more creative. So things inadvertently became more catchy because of it. Whereas, you know, once you're able to just create these big orchestral pieces, unless you have John Williams making them or something, you know, Mm -hmm. eventually they all kind of, you know, they all bleed together and sound the same. Although I do have to say the music from the new uh, 
Zelda game for Switch. Um, oh my god, I'm totally like drawing a blank on the name of it. Oh, right the now. open world one? Yeah, Breath of the Wild. Uh, the new Breath of the Wild game has really, really good music, but it's interesting because they developed... It's, it's sort of orchestral, but it's very sparse, and they develop the music in a way that even though there's different uh, musical tones when you go into these different areas, it doesn't sound like, you know, this is a song with a beginning and the end and end. It's almost like they develop this algorithm based on what you're doing, and it will play these, like, sparse... Oh, and it's just kind of continuous... Yeah, it'll play these sparse tunes that kind of signify, you know, I'm running through a field or I'm battling against these goblin hmm. things or whatever. But so it's more like procedurally generated. Kind music of, almost. it's proceed. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's sort of procedurally generated music based on your gameplay and where, you know, hmm. how you're traveling through the world, uh, the time of day. The fighting, if you're fighting against enemies, the music will change into like more of a battle sound, but then it, it, it's, you know, seamlessly transitions right back into like a more mellow sound as you ride away. It's really, it's really interesting the way they developed it, but uh-huh. it's so good at doing that that it's like the music, it almost isn't memorable because it's so innately tied to the gameplay that you kind of just see it all as one big thing, uh-huh. if that makes sense. That's interesting. I think that's where video game music specifically, I think, becomes interesting, too. Because you have the opportunities to have the music be based on the actions that the player is putting into it, Mm -hmm. which is not something, obviously, you can do in a movie. Exactly. Or anything else. So that's pretty cool. Exactly. Um, So that's kind of my random rant tangent. Uh, What do we got up next, Peter? My third and final pick that I picked um, was from Lego Island. And I think in a way Lego Island kind of spawned this topic a little bit because <laughs> I initially had asked you if you had played this game and you said no. So that killed my idea of doing an episode <laughs> about all the music from this game Sorry. and kind of, I guess in thinking about it more since then and in doing this topic more broadly, it might've been a bit much to do an entire episode just on that uh, game, unless we both were like super nostalgic about it. True. This was Lego's first video game, uh, again, in 97. I have gone back more recently and started thinking, like listening to some of the music again or reading a little bit about it. And I was reading like an interview with like the lead developer of the game. He was saying that it was a challenge for them to be making basically a 3D open world game um, at that time, which I think in a way that was still kind of a new thing. Mm-hmm. Like all these other, a lot of these other games we've been talking about, like from that same era, are all 3D. There's, you know, some are more linear than others. And when you, when you call Lego Island an open world game, I mean that's a little generous uh, by today's standards. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, I don't know. The the game I think doesn't stand up super well today in many ways, but uh, it has a lot of nostalgia with me, and it has a lot of personality to it. I think as well. Uh, it's a pretty goofy game, so it's fun. Um, the uh, song that I chose to play from this game is from the music that's playing while you're doing like the race car race. It's a pretty trippy ass, like <laughs> racing mini game. You know, listeners look it up sometime, but it's not the same experience of actually playing it when you're a seven year old. Uh, anyway, so this, uh, music is pretty, it's just kind of fun. 
and it has meaning to me, but probably not to any of you. But let's play a clip of it anyway. Speaking of games that probably no one else ever played, um, <laughs> is Donkey Kong Country 2 for Super Nintendo. Now, I know I told the story before about how, on this show about how back in like 1996 or whatever when the N64 came out, I asked for it for Christmas. Parents got me a Super Nintendo. I was very sad, but then I ended up playing the Super Nintendo and it like was a ton of fun. I played all the classic games from Super Nintendo, Super Mario World, uh, Zelda, Link to the Past, all that stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And Donkey Kong Country 2 was one of my favorite platformers on the system because even though it was like kind of that 16-bit style, it looked sort of like 2.5D mm. and had a really good soundtrack. And uh, one of the songs that really stuck with me in the game is this song called Funky the Main Monkey. And I remember the soundtrack stood out to me a lot in this game because it didn't sound chiptune-y. You know, mm. it didn't sound like super 8-bitty. It sounded a bit more refined. I don't really have much else to say, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, Super or Donkey Kong Country 2. You could play as Donkey Kong or Diddy Kong or his girlfriend, who I forget what her name is. But it was too cool, too, because it was sort of co-op, where if one mm. player dies, the other character takes over, and then the other person could like keep going through the level. Oh, okay. So me and my cousin... Uh, who were the same age, would play through this together, and it was really fun. Nice. So, yeah, this is uh, the Funky the Main Monkey theme song from Donkey Kong Country 2 for Super Nintendo. Yeah, this uh I guess the the name of the song implies it, but yeah, this is pretty funky. Yep. Was Funky a character? Yeah, Funky Kong was a character. I don't think he was a playable oh, okay. character. I think he was one you just came across in the okay. game. But uh he was Funky and his name is Funky, funky Kong. Kong. Yeah, they <laughs> were all versions of Kong, Donkey Kong, Diddy Kong, Funky Kong. So yeah, um I think that kind of summarizes our little list of nostalgic video game music. Yeah. If you listeners have any video game music that you find nostalgic, you can let us know on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash getyourfunk. You can also check out, if we haven't mentioned it already, uh, you can check out this episode and all of our previous episodes on getyourfunk.com, where you can also pay us money so we can have a reason to keep living. You know, I, I think people have known that for years, that maybe if they don't pay us, then we won't have a reason to live, but and then we keep living. So I know, and they're just like, they're full of shit. We, we cut off their funding, and they're still around. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how meaningful this topic is going to be to any of you listeners, but um, it was fun for us to yeah. think back to some of these musics from our early a trip down memory lane. existence. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, join us next time for something else. Yay. Bye. Bye.